and we are recording. Hello, listeners, wherever you are, and welcome to Fix This Flick, a podcast where two millennials who'd rather have cats than kids deconstruct your favorite films and tell you how we'd make them better. I'm your host, Ali, and joining me again for the second episode of our social justice movie series is my brother, Anise. Hey, Anise. Hello. Good to be back. And I'm glad to have you here. Uh, one of my favorite episodes was the one we did together, which was for The Dark Knight Rises. I can't remember if you suggested it or if I suggested this movie for this episode, American History X. I think it was it was me, right? It was you, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have thought of this one, to be yeah. honest, but upon watching it, there were some things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we both watched it last night. And, and just for context, this was a movie that we both saw when we were kids and I'd say really liked, right? Yes. It really is one of those cases where I think your perception of a movie when you're 12 or 13 or 14 like completely changes, apparently, now that we're adults. Yeah, yeah, I would <laughs> yeah. say so. Also, we saw it closer to its time. I guess yeah, it fit yeah. a little better. Yeah, we'll talk about um, the dated aspects of the movie in a little bit. But yeah, so this episode's movie, the second movie in our social justice movie series, is American History X. Look, I told you, I don't want you all coming up here to see me. I don't care what you told me, okay? I'm trying to get through this, and you're just making it harder. You think you're the only one doing time, Derek? You think I'm not in here with you? He was his mother's hope. He's gone. You don't know the world your children are living in. His father's legacy. It's everywhere I look now. What? This affirmative black shit. The white man marches on! See this? That means not welcome. And his brother's hero. I trust you, Derek. Drop your weapon! All that anger. All that hate. Has anything you've done made your life better? Derek Vineyard was released from Chino early this morning. Hey, man, how you doing? Too big to give me a hug? Oh, it's good to see you. Check this out, man. When'd you get that? What? Well, I came to talk about Danny. He's headed right where you are. What's wrong with you? Let the kid alone. He thinks the joint mess with your mind. Did. I'm asking you to do whatever's in your power. You know what you're gonna do? You're gonna get me shot by a bunch of white boys. I am out, and Danny is out too. And if you come near my family again, I will feed you your heart. What's happening, sir? I don't think you realize what's been going on here. We are ten times what we were. They're after you, man. They're gonna come for me. They're gonna come for me. There's nothing I can do. Hey, Danny! Get it! Get friend and i'm not telling you what to do but i need you to understand after spending the past three years in jail for killing two black people white supremacist neo-nazi Derek, played by Edward Norton, has seen the error of his ways. But he's released to find that his younger brother Danny, played by Edward Furlong, has fallen in with Derek's old crowd, led by white power gang leader Cameron Alexander, played by Stacy Keach. Still coping with the trauma of his time in jail, Derek desperately tries to undo the mistakes of his past 
and prevent Danny from following in his footsteps. Since its release in 1998, American History X has gone on to become one of the most acclaimed films that explore racism in the U.S. today. It was also the breakout lead role for Edward Norton, who was nominated for an Oscar for his performance. Interestingly enough, though, despite its lofty reputation and rank of number 38 in IMDb's Top 250, American History X had a troubled production. The film's director, Tony Kay, publicly disowned the movie over disagreements over the final cut, which is rumored to have been edited extensively by Edward Norton himself. So yeah, we'll talk about what worked for us in American History X, what didn't work for us, and see if we can come up with ideas that could redeem the movie, or at the very least, make it better. And at the end, we'll pass our final judgment on whether the movie is fixable or damaged beyond repair. Obviously, before we get started, spoiler alert from here on out. So American History X is a pretty straightforward movie to kind of just lay out and explain. It follows this family, the Vineyard family. They live in Venice Beach in California, I believe. It's a family that has been troubled ever since the murder of the father, who's a fireman, and he was murdered while trying to put out a fire in a black neighborhood. And that just sent Derek, played by Edward Norton, into the spiral of hatred and he becomes a neo-Nazi white supremacist, gets the swastika tattoo on his chest, and there's an incident that happens where a couple of black people try robbing his house and people he knew from a previous altercation when they were... Remember that basketball game scene? Yeah, yeah they, he, they beat them in a basketball game for rights over the court, basically. Yeah, and so and those black people like went it. to get revenge, right? Yeah. I assume. So he kills them and he goes to jail for that. Three years later, he's had some traumatic experiences in jail, which we'll talk about when we discuss the, the ending of the movie. He finds that his younger brother, Danny, who's now 16, I think, has fallen in with the white power crowd. And he, the movie starts with him having written My Mein Kampf. So he just wrote about Adolf Hitler's book for a school essay, and that pisses off the black principal, Mr. Sweeney who was an influence in Derek's life as well. The movie basically just explores how people become racist and destructive path, life path that that leads people into. They they do focus heavily on how it's like a kind of like a generational thing. It gets like passed down from yeah. like father to sibling to the other sibling. I think one of the first things uh, the principal Sweeney says is uh, about Danny is that he learned this shit and he can unlearn it as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the messages of this movie that this kind of racism doesn't just happen. It's taught. When you face some kind of traumatic incident like the murder of your father when he was just doing his job, you just want answers and you want to find purpose. I think that's the secret to behind a lot of these, you know, far-right extremist groups that exist today, not just in the U.S., but all over the world. People feel helpless, and they just want to blame someone. And in, in this case, it's the minorities, the immigrants. They're the reason for, for everything. So my question to you is, so this movie came out in the late 90s. We'd both seen it as teenagers. What did it feel like to you watching it in 2021 in terms of just its style? Let me just say, in terms of its ideology, I'd say it's still pretty relevant which for sure is for kind sure kind of sad to see yeah not much has society. changed if anything yeah. the u.s is worse right yeah style wise yeah it's, it's definitely dated you could tell it's a 90s movie that being said i honestly didn't mind it that much there were some cuts that were weird that i didn't really like like cutting from a scene to a scene you mean yeah and like extreme like face close-ups that maybe were unnecessary there were parts i know what you mean there were parts that almost felt like they were um like a music video in a way <laughs> you know we're just of, jumping yeah. quickly in the extreme close-ups 
I agree with you. It didn't really bug me that much, especially when we were just like in a very immersive scene. And there are a few of those, which we'll discuss when we just talk about Edward Norton's performance, which I think we both agree he was pretty great yeah, in this he's, movie. He's yeah. So the thing is, though, the, the first thing I noticed was the music in this movie is very emotionally manipulative and melodramatic. Lots of classical music. There were a lot of scenes where that was just kind of thrown in with um, slow motion of things happening. I did like it sometimes. Famous scene from this movie, we talked briefly about how Derek murdered two black people who tried to rob his house. That scene had like features a very famous moment where the curb stomp. The curb <laughs> the curb stomping Jeez. scene. So what basically happens is Derek incapacitates one of the burglars and forces him at gunpoint to put his mouth on the curb and the younger brother comes out and just yells in slow motion like no yeah. <laughs> and and then you just see edward Norton's face and he's just like smiling with vicious glee and the actual violent act you don't really see it you just like kind of hear it and you just kind of see it from a distance yeah and then the the melodramatic classical music happens and so that worked for me but the movie kept doing that over and over again for other scenes of you know just like water falling in slow motion there's like a shower scene where edward Norton's showering in slow motion <laughs> yeah, that's right yeah overuses it a little yeah bit. The, the worst one was actually t this doesn't really have anything to do like with a spoiler of the end yet but do you remember there was this scene where it's like on a beach and there's birds flying and and there's just like this classical music and things are happening in slow motion that's there's the like kids scene i think there's Isn't kids it? running is it I can't remember. I remember the the movie opens that way, and while it was happening, I was thinking, did I did I choose the right movie? <laughs> like, what did I did I choose something else by accident? It, yeah, it didn't seem to fit in with with the rest of it. What I had in my notes was it almost kind of reminded me of someone doing an homage or parody of like a Terrence Malick movie, Maybe. you know, or just like filming a tree for ten minutes or whatever. Yeah, uh, it just felt too much like i would have really toned that down and but the reason why i think the movie did that is because the plot is pretty threadbare like we kind of just already explained like half the movie already and doing those little things or i think trying to add some more significance and weight to it what do you mean in the sense of like padding the time in in the sense of emotionally manipulating us to feel more about what we had just watched or witnessed early first fix for me is Take out a lot of the slow-mo, take out a lot of the melodramatic music. I always feel like those kinds of things are crutches where they're doing it because the story or the characters aren't powerful enough. I just feel like the movie should rest on the story and the writing. That's kind of my whole thing. I've repeated a million times on this podcast. There's a time and place to use those things, and they just maybe took it a little bit too far. While we're on that, being a little nitpicky. A little, little nitpicky, I guess. A little nitpicky. There's a couple I kind of bothered me not enough to ruin the experience or the movie but there were some boring exposition bits in the beginning it was mainly about the relationship between derek and cameron alexander oh you mean the scene when the principal goes and meets a couple of cops yes and they just kind of spell it all out they spell it all out and i was just thinking uh it would have been cool to like see their relationship there's also some cringy dialogue Oh I yeah, say. that was one of my main nitpicky things too. Yeah, the dinner scenes had some cringy dialogue. There's a few key dinner scenes in the movie. There's one where this is before Derek goes to jail and his mother has a school teacher over who she's dating for dinner and he happens to be Jewish and they happen to have this long debate about, I think it was Rodney King. Rodney King, yeah. yeah. 
And I just remember thinking, like, especially when Edward Norton was just starting to throw statistics and numbers and figures and all that. And then they have a sister, Danny and Derek, who's like a, a nerd, I guess. Like her character's whole thing is she's always studying. She always has like a book That's that true. she's studying. She's, she does nothing else. Just yeah. Studying. And she starts throwing her statistics as well. And then it just escalates into violence. But I remember thinking, like, this is, it had elements of how maybe a family dynamic would be. When would you ever see a dinner discussion where it just descends into like almost like a debate, like a political debate? What, what I could never see a dinner discussion descending to is one sibling grabbing another sibling and forcing roast beef on their face or in their mouth. Like that was a little weird. I think this is probably something we're going to disagree on, but I actually kind of like the dinner debate scenes showing how like the issue penetrates into like regular family talk and then expands outwards into the to the world uh, so i can see the debates happening i just can't see them escalating the way they did especially in that scene when the mom had her like boyfriend over it just went crazy yeah uh, derek just lashes out at pretty much everyone he, he scares the teacher away it kind of ends the relationship yeah he throws some like derogatory statements at him for, yeah. for being jewish and we, with the later dinner scene the one with that was a flashback to when their father was still alive and trying to explore how the father was involved in planting this idea of racism with his kids. And he talks about affirmative action with how a few firemen who work in his department who are black didn't test as well as a few white men, but they got in because of affirmative action. Yeah. So I'm not disagreeing with you. I like how it showed that those discussions can happen. Those debates can happen at the dinner table. I just wish that the dialogue and the way it was delivered was, was, was more better. organic. Yeah. Yeah. This felt like too much like it was trying to be capturing everything in that issue and trying to fit it into a two-minute scene, you know, like a five-minute dinner scene. It felt like a screen-written scene is what I mean. I would agree with that. Yeah. So I get it. Noble cause. I just wish the execution was a bit more organic. That would be my mm -hmm. fix for that. I also have another fix to add on to that, actually. They start by showing everyone's points and ideologies, but they take the, the ideology, the idea that I guess they don't want the audience to go with. So as an example, the scene where the dad is talking about the quotas, I the affirmative like he, action quotas, the right? The affirmative action quotas. I feel like he makes a good point in saying that if I'm in the field and I know that someone who's meant to have my back isn't as capable as someone else and only got it because of something not related to their ability to perform the job. Like, it's just an interesting point and I don't. I think it's kind of valid. But then the movie blows it out of the realm of being accepted. or When the, when the dad just drops the N-word and yes. is clearly just a blatant racist. Yes. So I feel like they kind of dodged actually delving more into those kind of points or those kind of ideologies that may be valid. Obviously, it's, racism is not valid, but problems that having something like affirmative action can create. It's one of those things where movies and maybe even people just like in their everyday life, they want to simplify all kinds of issues where, yes, obviously racism is bad and is a problem. But the solutions to it aren't so straightforward and easy. It would have been, I agree with you, it would have been nice to be able to explore those issues in more detail. But as we're going to now talk about the ending, the movie doesn't really end up exploring much beyond just kind of like giving us a little taste of that, a little taste of this in a, I wouldn't say rushed kind of way, but like a superficial sort of way. So now we're kind of in the middle of the movie. Derek has been released from jail and he confronts all of his old friends, including the, the gang leader, Cameron Alexander, and tells him he doesn't want anything to do with this life. His brother is furious with him because, you know, he's been this role model. He's been kind of living this lifestyle for the past three years. And then only to find that his brother has completely rejected it, we find out that his brother 
was actually raped by other white supremacists in, in jail and he also befriended a black person in jail who kind of sounds trite or like simplistic but he saw that all black people aren't bad or something well so, it's a little bit more than that because the, the black guy the black friend protected him in jail yeah that too he he had no real reason to other than he liked him what he saw was he was betrayed by his own people and he saw that they were kind of full of it like they weren't yeah. as committed to the cause as he was because they were working with um, other minorities um, in the jail yeah, yeah other racial gangs which he saw as a betrayal in the end it was a black man who who protected him and saved him so that all happens and the brother finally understands and i think they reach a point where okay we're gonna leave this world behind us and this is where we get to the point where i think the movie pissed me off because what happens in the end of the movie is they hint every now and then that there's some sort of potential looming threat against Derek's life there, we hear talk about how the, the black gangs, you know, affiliated with the people he killed might be watching out for him. And we also hear about how, because he pissed off Cameron Alexander, that he might be after him as well. And so the end of the movie suddenly becomes this thing of, is he about to die? Is he about to die? And then it pulls a switcheroo twist at the end where it was actually Danny who dies. This is where the movie fails, I would say. So Danny, he had this minor confrontation in a bathroom, in his high school bathroom with a black kid. He didn't really do anything to him. He just kind of blew, he blew well, cigarette smoke in his face. Well, it's because the black kids were bullying a white kid and he stepped in to kind of save the, the white kid. Yeah, and that's it. That's yeah, what I mean. That I is it. And then that black kid comes back. We see him one or two times later on in the movie. And then the black kid comes at the end and kills him. He comes in the, the middle of the high school fucking shoots him in in the same bathroom in I the think. bathroom yeah. yeah but i was kind of disappointed at how this movie was exploring all this stuff and then suddenly became this emotionally manipulative let's kill the younger kid just to yeah, make it shock, tragic shock value for shock value yeah i would say it's not necessarily a bad thing it's just kind of two things one thing is i don't think it fit the structure of the movie maybe if they had started the movie with like a funeral scene and we see the mother and the other siblings weeping, crying, but we don't know whose funeral it is, was. Yeah. So we, we, we know the whole time one of them is going to die, but we just don't know who it is. Instead, the movie is just this movie exploring all these things, and then it becomes this shock twist thing at the end. That's what I meant when I was talking about earlier, where it felt like they were doing all this stuff to compensate for them not knowing where to take the plot. One last thing before I turn it over to you that I wanted to say is that, did you notice how in just offhand dialogue it mentions that Cameron Alexander was beaten up by someone oh, like it just mentioned off screen yeah. quickly and then we just don't hear or see of see him again yeah it felt to me that they didn't know how to end the movie that gives us satisfaction in resolving all of the issues that we were exploring and so they decide let's just kill the young brother because that will just get audiences really moved because then Edward Norton will really pay for what he did yeah, so a fix I would say I could suggest here is let this movie have a happy ending where Daniel learns from Derek, learns from changing his ways, and makes peace with the black guy instead of just being killed by him. That way it would have more of an impact that like both these characters learned something and made like some impactful change. What could also be an interesting thing to just kind of build on what you just said is Yes, have them patch things up, the two younger ones, but then one of the older gang members of uh, friends of the black kid, who, by the way, is never named or anything. He's just the black kid, which I also kind of didn't yeah. like. He wasn't really a character. He was just someone to kill Danny. Anyway, if there was an older one who noticed that they were befriending each other, fixing things and gets pissed off at that, then 
either kills Danny or Derek. Or Derek sacrifices himself to protect Danny. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Because I think the movie, what it wanted to do was it wanted Derek to suffer, to be punished for what he did beyond just being, you know, raped in jail. And (laughs) (laughs) it's not enough, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. And so they wanted, they figured that the younger brother dying would be the bigger punishment. But I would have liked the idea of where he sacrificed himself and atoned for his mistakes and then paved the way for this newer generation to grow from them. Yeah. Yeah. Because the movie then just leaves you with, oh man. Life is shit. Yeah, so what what I felt was, okay, this is just perpetuating the same problem because the races are at war again. I mean, I guess that is reflective of the reality of the world we live in. I guess, but you want this movie to, to... I think this movie's trying to have a message of hope. That reminds me because Principal Sweeney, after Danny presents this Mein Kampf paper, he signs him a new paper where he just talks about how his brother's incarceration impacted him to just analyze it and the narration is at the very end is from the end of the essay and where he just gives a quote of so he just throws on a quote from some famous person about racism or whatever and what i wanted to ask you is do you remember a single word from that quote at the end no not a single thing i remember there was a quote but that's <laughs> as far as it goes that's kind of how i felt like this movie the end was just this flowery quote that's supposed to leave us with you know, some greater meaning because the actual ending didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. very unsatisfying. And it's funny because also he threw in that quote just to have something to throw in. And that's what it felt like in the movie. They just threw in this quote. Like there, we gave you your moral or your lesson. Yeah, or yeah. And I wish they had done that with the story. I think something along the lines of the two ideas we had working together could have been interesting. So now that we're at the end of the movie, I just remember thinking after watching it last night was there's so much more that I wish this movie had explored yes. that it didn't. Yeah. And we'll start with the thing you mentioned before we started recording and i think it was an interesting point because i didn't think about it was if they had explored more of the relationship between derek and his father derek and his father that's basically the main driving event that made him into yeah the white his father's murder yeah. his father's murder i feel like it would have been more impactful for us as the audience to maybe see his relationship with his father before he gets murdered yeah all we get is that one dinner scene we got that one dinner scene way later in the movie. Way later, yeah. We get an interview after the fact with Derek where he's mad and rambling about minorities. But it would have been way more impactful for us if we had seen their relationship, liked their relationship, and then experienced the loss with Derek. The other main relationship, and I think this one would have been even more interesting, I think they maybe could have gone away with just kind of summarizing the dad quickly if they had spent more time with the relationship between Derek and Cameron Alexander. Yeah, definitely. I really liked, I just thought it was interesting that this guy was doing all the stuff from his house on the beach. And I wanted to know more about what his motivations were. If he really believed what he was doing or he knew it was bullshit and he just did it for power because the movie kind of hints at little things, but it barely gives him any scenes to kind of well, explore we, it. We kind of find out that he's full of shit when... Uh, oh, with the prison story? Yeah, when Derek reveals that that cameron alexander ratted on two other people to get a lesser sentence years ago or something years ago and he talks about his prison experience like like glorifies it or something but yeah we find out it's full of shit but yeah he's barely in it i was actually surprised how little he was in it i thought he was going to be like the main antagonist no he really isn't he just gets his ass kicked and and we never see him again as i mentioned earlier we just hear that he 
got beaten up again off screen and he's in the hospital or something and that's it we never see him again i think that was a missed opportunity and the last one and you could argue maybe the biggest one is just the lack of story and things to happen with danny yes because okay Here's another question for you. I thought at the beginning of the movie that the, there were two protagonists, Derek and Danny, and they were both of equal weight. But as the movie progresses, the movie becomes more about Derek, and we really don't get much from Danny beyond him just narrating Derek's life or just reacting to Derek, like when he finds out that Derek is no longer a white supremacist, basically. Daniel should have been more of a character in his own right rather than this object that is just incredibly easily influenced like everyone yeah. has such an easy time influencing this kid which okay i guess he's a kid but he has no agency he doesn't do anything he just gets pulled one way or and or the other and the movie does start out giving you the impression that he's the main character because he's the first person you see yeah. he's the person you follow but yeah like you said the more the movie goes on the lesser his role becomes and it just becomes all about there and and he dies as a way to punish punish Derek yeah. so he's just there to again as an accessory to Derek when he's writing his essay I think he says when when Danny's writing his essay he says when people look at me they see Derek and that's exactly what we get in the movie it's just all about Derek yeah as a fix to I think to you know kind of flesh out Danny's character a bit more and I guess it would actually tie in nicely with our idea of maybe making Danny and the black teenager who kills him in the end become friends or at least patch things up or something i wish we had seen more of danny's school life and what he was up to and the bad things he was doing because we really only get that that bathroom scene in the beginning where their rift is started and nothing else and i suspect that maybe the movie did this because they didn't want us to demonize the kid too much we don't really see him do anything racist like he doesn't make do any racist acts he just talks about he just, it yeah he talks. yeah himself. i think they should have shown that more it would have made it more believable that someone wanted to kill him yeah why did that kid want to kill him it, it, it felt very excessive beyond oh because he's he's involved with those gangs yeah and it would have showed him be more of a character an yeah actual character yeah he has this he girlfriend his remember the girlfriend he has and she's just this yeah. afterthought no she's just someone to cry when the scene where he's he dies that's that's pretty much it i'm realizing now as we're talking about this a lot of our fixes would just pad the runtime so much i don't really know what the solution for that one would be because we haven't even talked about the prison part in terms of Maybe we should have seen more of that as yeah. well, too. Yeah. yeah. So wh- what would have been the answer? Like, make this a four-hour movie? A two-parter? Two this is what we said for The Dark Knight Rises, yeah, too. Yeah. This is maybe, uh, I'm just thinking of this one right now, this fix, much more dramatic one. Should they have gotten rid of one of the main protagonists and just focused on one of them? You mean, like, either Danny or Derek? Yes. How would that work, though? What if you did a thing where the first part of the movie would be, like, American History X1... Derek's story and American History X Part 2 Danny's story and they kind of overlap maybe you'd have the same scene but you see it from the perspective of someone else and that way you can fully explore Danny's life his story his interests and how he perceived his brother and then had that ending you could end the movie the same way I guess maybe and but in the first part you see Derek and what he became and how he perceives his younger brother and you spend more time with him in prison you see more of his relationship with his dad and you see 
see more of the relationship with Cameron Alexander. That yeah, would fit volume one, volume two. Oh. I kind of like that idea. Yeah, me too. It would definitely give more time to explore everything that would have made this, yeah, even better, way better. If they could come back and just tell the same story in that kind of way, or maybe even as a mini series on Netflix or whatever, that could be pretty interesting. I've, I've heard that there is some sort of sequel being made of it or some a movie that's supposed to be like that. Uh, I'm I think it's called Af- African History Y. Oh, for real? Yeah, for it's real. The same <laughs> That's not a joke. I that I don't know more than that, to be honest. Okay. But yeah, I generally would be interested in seeing this two-volume, two-part version. And last thing I wanted to say is kind of tied to that is I would say this is the best movie that we've reviewed on the podcast where I can't say that was a good movie, but there's a lot of good things in it. I can see why it has this really highly rated reputation because edward norton's just great in this he plays off a hateable neo-nazi at first and then you kind of empathize with physicality too yeah but he also can do the weak like the weak side when when he's just you know completely torn down and the trauma that he experienced in jail and i really think that if it was another actor a lot of the weaknesses of the story would have been more exposed. He gave me Fight Club vibes from it. Was Fight Club before or after? I think Fight Club was after. After, okay. Yeah, but yeah, really great performance. And I think that performance is the reason why the movie has such a high standing today. Yeah, I think so. No one else's performance like stood out. The kid was like, okay. Yeah, it almost wasn't uh, his fault. Like, there's only so much you can do, as is often the case. It's the writing. Yeah, yeah. So I've seen all of your podcasts. I've heard all of them. Um, th- yeah, this is definitely the the best movie <laughs> that's been reviewed. And first time you mentioned that, like, I-, I might have said this before, but I was surprised that you chose this one. Just because my memory of it was that it was, like, really good. And I saw it again. It's still really good. I'd still say it's a good movie. But there were stuff. There was stuff to talk about, clearly. If we were then to do our final judgment, would you say this movie is fixable? Find sure. us it is. Oh, all right. It's fixable. fixable. It's definitely fixable. I, I agree. It is, it is fixable. There's just, like, a lot of good stuff here. That, that great performance by Edward Norton. A lot of good ideas. I really liked some of the shots in the movie as much as I kind of crapped on the Terrence Malick overdrive ones yeah uh one that i thought was really impactful was in the grocery store Uh, there's a scene where a bunch of the skinheads just raid this grocery store led by derek one of them pours milk on one of the grocery store workers and says something like oh now you're gonna be white you're gonna be up in the world and something about that really impacted me because it was Mm -hmm. just so tragic and so upsetting and so cruel yeah. And it was a v- very well done visually. A slow motion scene too. One of the few that worked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On that note, another thing that worked for me in this movie was the use of the black and white. Um, for the, the flashback yeah, sequences, so it basically. Co- it seems to correlate with how Derek saw the world too. Because he was only looking oh, at things Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. And then the other scenes when he's back and seeing the air of his ways are, are in color again. So I thought that was really, really well done. And last thing I'll say that I like how the movie really pushed how unlikable they made Derek because he is just despicable. I mean, the the things he did and yet somehow we still kind of root for him in the end. Maybe no, maybe everybody wouldn't, but I definitely did. Well, you root for him because he changed his ways. Yeah, obviously. He, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't stay the same. Yeah. And as always, before we sign off, we have some recommendations to share for things we've been watching lately. Anise, you want to go first? Uh, sure. So slim pickings lately, to be fully honest. But something I've been watching and actually really enjoying is The Mentalist. 
The Mentalist. The is Mentalist. that that show with Simon Baker? Simon Baker, yeah. It's a little bit old, but it's just like a fun investigative cop okay. show. Wait, wait. Before you say anything else, I've never actually seen an episode, but I'm going to yeah. try and guess what it is, what the hook is, ba- based on the name. Sure. So he's some sort of genius uh, renegade guy who doesn't fit in anywhere. And he has this business where he helps the police as an advisor in figuring out who committed a murder, did a crime because he has this psychic ability to touch something or look at something and know what happened to it. That's my guess. You're close. You're really close. <laughs> he doesn't have his own. He just works as a consultant. He doesn't like have a business. Okay. And... How he, he, he's actually not a psychic. He started out as a con artist pretending to be a psychic, but he's just really smart, observant. Um, oh, is he like one of those like Darren Brown people? Yes. You know who that is? Yes. He makes like deductive analysis analyses. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but most episodes follow the same way. Oh, the typical uh, network TV show formula, right? Yes. New case every week. New and... case every week, but how he captures the bad guys sometimes he doesn't know but he sets up these schemes that will force whoever did it to reveal themselves and they're clever they're clever and they're fun like i wouldn't say this is like the best show i've ever seen it's just an it's a fun entertaining watch okay so like um uh, anise and i we sometimes share with each other our recommendations for background shows and by that we mean shows that are not good enough where you'd want to just sit down and like be glued to the tv and watch them but they're just entertaining enough where maybe if something you know interesting happens you'll pay attention for a couple minutes or keep you hooked for a little bit well i'd say it's a little bit more than okay all right okay okay it can function as one but it it's also cool to just watch and there's probably like 200 episodes so you can keep yourself busy it is bingeable (laughs) yeah okay and my recommendation is also a tv show it's the nbc show from a few years ago called hannibal this TV show is another imagining of the famous Hannibal from Silence of the Lambs, played by Anthony Hopkins. This time, Hannibal is played by Mads Mikkelsen, who most people would probably recognize from, as the villain from Casino Royale. I just have to say, it was so surprising to me to watch this show because usually I don't like the formulaic uh, network TV shows where there's just, uh, in this case, unlike The Mentalist, a new murder, a new crime. This one, there's a new serial killer every episode. But this one is just great on so many aspects. The acting is phenomenal. The visuals of the the killings that happen and ideas that it's exploring because it, it goes beyond just why did this murder happen to exploring existential issues of life, of what is the nature of evil, what is the nature of good, and what do you do when your own nature makes you want to be a psychopath killer? Like, what if you're just a psychopath? Is that wrong? And all those things are explored by Hannibal's character. And the main focus of the show is Will Graham, who's a profiler, who works for the FBI in solving these serial serial murder cases. He sometimes works with Hannibal and Sometimes he's just actually his patient because he has to deal with the trauma of putting himself in the minds of these serial killers. So there's a lot of interesting stuff that the show explores. And after the first season, it just goes into completely uncharted territory that's very fascinating to watch. I highly recommend it. It's maybe not a bingeable show unless you just want to be in like this world of just like death and pain all the time. I would highly recommend it still. Is it on Netflix? It is on Netflix. Oh, convenience. Yes. 
So that's our episode. Thank you so much for listening as always. Fix This Flick will be back soon with another social justice movie for us to tear apart and try to redeem. I'm your host, Ali. And I'm Anise. And we'll be back soon. Arrivederci.